Hi everyone. Welcome to the Beyond Deadlines podcast, where we tackle challenges that planning and schedule leaders come across on a day-to-day basis. My name is Greg Lawton, and I'm the CEO of an AI schedule management company called Mills and Links. And I'm Micah Pipo, a planning and scheduling manager for Intel. Each podcast is designed to give you strategies and tactics that you can implement right away. And today, Micah is in the hot seat, and we are going deep scheduling. No high-level topics, deep scheduling. Okay, Micah, you're a scheduler and have been asked to run an owner's program with 10 GCs. All of the schedules need to be integrated into one master schedule. Where do you start? Well, I'm glad we're finally actually talking about scheduling, given this is beyond deadlines. So yay, yay. The first thing I would ask, is this one mega project or is this a series of other projects? You know, so basically, are we building data centers mm-hmm. or are we building the line? It's, an, it's a single mega project with integrated components and we're just getting different GCs to focus on different elements of the build. For how we're setting up the schedule, can I basically create it anyway? Does it need to integrate all into one P6 schedule? It, you know, what, what are my kind of bounds for this? Is it just an open book that I can just pick and choose whatever, however I want to do it? Or is there certain kind of things that people want to see? It is, it is an open book, but there are certain major objectives that the owner needs to achieve. Number one is that owner holds owner risk. So the owner needs to be able to manage the owner schedule risk. The second is that owner holds integration risk. So the GCs need to be able to flow with each other because if one GC is late, then et cetera, et cetera. Um, And the third is that owner holds ultimate business case risk. So the integration is really designed to manage owner risk. Perfect. Also, what... What sort of contract are we setting up with these these GCs? What's the contracting structure look like? Uh, let's say that these are fixed price jobs. The first place that I would start is clear alignment with owner, leadership, senior level project managers on what our strategic objectives are for integrating these GCs. There's an entire palette of different options available for us. And it really depends on how they're looking to strategically deliver their projects. If these are connecting Lego blocks that don't carry a ton of cross integration, you can create a much simpler high level integration. If these things are overlapping and extremely critical to themselves, you know, this, mm-hmm. this uh, central utility building is then powering or providing the services to this other major facility. That's a, a very intense integration, which I would think you'd want a different integration for. So the first thing I would start off with is strategically finding out from ownership, how do you want this set up? What are the major goals and inputs of that? Once I had those down, I would then start thinking, what's our, I'll call tier two or level two contracting strategy. Because while you'll have a fixed price contract, you're going to have a scheduling specification that the GCs are going to need to follow. Mm-hmm. Getting that lined out is super important. And while you're doing it, the biggest thing you need to think about is what overall schedule is all this stuff going to feed into? Because you're going to have 
to, to put that in your contract. So if you're doing one large P6 schedule and everyone's dumping their files into it, not recommending that, but you're going to have to lay out what are your standards, WBS structures, your standard coding, your standard activities, your standard milestones, because if this, this isn't standardized, this is going to go sideways super fast. Mm -hmm. Other parts of your contract, you're going to have to lay out what is your cadence, who's submitting the files and when. I mean, this is all the stuff that even without even thinking about the building you're building, you have to be able to think all of these steps through. Because in a couple months, you're going to get three GC files. You're going to need to upload them into a system. How do you operationalize that to make that smooth as possible? And so I would start with strategically, what are our aims and goals? How is that overall big system going to be kind of set up? And then I'm going to go into the contracting structure. I'll call it tier two, you schedule specifications, planning specifications, whatever it mm -hmm. is. And then I'm going to start dialing that out. That would probably be high level where I would start. Would you... Would you look to give the GCs a high-level template from the owner and say, please work from this and expand below and or at the early stages, voice any changes you want to make in this? Or would you essentially just give them the scope of work, let them pile up their schedule, obviously in accordance with the schedule specifications at level two, and then trying to integrate which of those strategies would you go for? I would go for something that looked like the first strategy, but I would be less concerned about giving them the schedule like built out. I think it's mm -hmm. brilliant and, and definitely highly recommended. But if you're looking at something that's going to integrate into one schedule, the most important part isn't going to be, you need to follow my WBS, my activity coding. The most important part is going to be GCA. This is how you're going to interconnect with GCB. And I need to manage your integration. Mm -hmm. I need to be able to look at when you turn on that cub and it's going to power this building that your commissioning schedules are locked in. And I'm tracking a couple things. First off, your development of that integration. Then as you're progressing your integration, and then the downstream impacts to that. Because I think that's probably where things get all crazy and the blame game starts and you bring in the lawyers. There's zero clarity there. So that would actually be the point I'm trying to get to first and manage, where, like that integration point. But I would not leave this up to the contractors to go decide and go do and just hand them over a specification. You're going to spend so many cycles waiting for them to fill out, implement. I need 30% design, I need 65% design. I can't figure this out. I can't do that out. Get them started ahead of time, get them going, and then they can kind of fill in the blanks. But to me, people don't focus enough on what's the actual point. We're, we're integrating schedules. So eat the elephant, you know, one bite at a time, but start with the hardest piece and go after the like the integration. And I'm gonna I, mean, I agree with you, but I'm gonna challenge you on that because integrations happen at different levels. You can have uh, you know, to start with, you're probably going to be looking at a level two, level three integration. But in reality, nothing exists really at level two, level three. That's that's like saying the UK. The UK is its people. It's like down at level six and seven. Would you look to get more detail about that integration over time? Or would you be happy as the owner just looking at these uh, give get dates and these handover points just holding steady and, you know, looking for general reports on the contractor holding risk. 
And then depends on the integration, depends on the criticality of that integration. You know, I, I can't stay up 24 hours a day and be searching through every single schedule, even if I had thousands of schedulers reporting to me. At a certain point, there's a prioritization that needs to happen. You're going to have to prioritize what you're looking at. Mm -hmm. For things that are high on the priority list, you in any sort of planning and scheduling, commissioning is always one of the funnest tasks ever because people at the beginning don't understand that you have to go down to the lowest possible denominator. So that piece of equipment level, that piece of pipe level, whatever it is, you are going to get there somehow in some way because that's where the job's delivered. And if mm -hmm. that panel doesn't turn on, the entire integration doesn't work. So you're going to go there anyways. So to me, you need to figure out a smart way to get there as fast as possible and get that hammered out and thought out. Starting out with, you need to know what you're actually building. So that is design. So one of those packages being delivered and going there. But, you know, here's a Shark Tank brilliant idea for anyone out there listening who's looking to start a company. Commissioning in P6 is not great. Building a 30,000 item checklist box where you go to this panel, this pipe, this thing, it isn't a great solution. There's nothing really out there that's great on the market that also does commissioning. I feel like I just cursed my inbox with people. Look at my software. Look, I could do this. I could do that. I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, sure. Feel free to send them to me. We'll check them out. But you're going there anyway. And so to answer your question in a, in a long roundabout way, I think you pick and choose which ones you do and you mm -hmm. need to figure out strategically what those integrations are. And then you need to set up those systems bottom up to track how you're actually trending to those L1 milestones. Because, you know, in any sort of integration, it most likely it's going to be system based. So you're not going to be able to necessarily rely on traditional quantities up to a certain point. If you're building, let's say, just that cub feeding the bigger building, you'll be able to track the steel of the cub, the concrete, some of the, the bigger MEP. Then you're eventually going to get into the, the nitty gritty of it. And some of those quantity tracking is going to start falling apart or not be as useful because it's going to be all over the place doing a transition over to system level. Mm -hmm. You need to be prepared for that and have some KPIs and metrics set up so you can tell whether that integration's on track or not. Would, would the level of planning that you have there, like you said, you have to be strategic and you have to pick for each one what is appropriate. Would the level that you go down to there be influenced in any way by the liability that the owner is taking off? And I'll explain. Um, let's say you're in a contracting framework with 10 GCs where some GCs have hard 100% LDs against them for missing integration dates. Some GCs have a what I would call a pain share where they still have LDs, but the owner's taking a, a large hit here. And, um, you know, one or two GCs, I know I said the fixed price, but let's say they're just doing uh, bums on seats models to start with because the designs haven't been thought through. Would the liability that the owner's taking change how you approach critical milestones or handover points? So I'm thinking on one axis, you've got criticality, and on the other axis, yeah. you've got liability. To me, when I look at LDs and that piece of it, it's I would I just think of it as an, okay now I need to enforce that contract structure. So for doing LDs, I need to be able to say 
I need to defense up and be ready to do claims. And and early on in my career, I'd be like, well, we have LDs in place. I shouldn't need anything. I'll just walk back and hit. But if you're actually trying to, de- you're trying early yeah. on in the career, yeah, <laughs> yeah, la- go ahead, laugh at young Micah. He was he was a foolish boy. My goal these days is I'm delivering projects on time, and I at certain point I don't really care what the contract structure is. I don't care what the LDs are. I'm going to go put in a system in place to help us navigate those waters when projects are delayed and things happen. How do we not get in a paper passing? bring in the lawyers type setting. How can I set up systems ahead of time to just help that go smoother? And it's very clear and transparent. We didn't deliver this generator, so you're off the hook on this LD. Or we didn't deliver the generator, but you weren't ready for it, so now you are on the hook for this LD. How do you set up a fair and balanced system ahead of time so that's not this big back and forth? But that's not going to get the the ball over the line necessarily or change Mm -hmm. how I'm looking at integrating these schedules. It, it To me, I'm going to need to go in and figure out ways to that I know what's best or to think about what's best to understand how, how are these integrations going to be successful and are we going to deliver this project on time? And the interesting piece is you don't actually see a lot of integration KPIs and metrics up at a higher level. You'll see on time milestones, but you won't see is everything set up correctly to allow for a healthy integration as a KPI? It's pretty interesting. That actually is a very interesting point because I was reflecting back at the start when I said there's three things that these owners in these situations are responsible for. One is owner equipment. The second is give gets and owner handover because they own the risk. And the third is the business case. I actually agree with you here. You gave the business case answer, which is, I don't really care about the liability that each person holds because the business case far outweighs any of the LDs that are going to happen here. That's why people buy projects, because they make them a lot of money when they're running. But it's very interesting, actually, that the more complex the project goes, that you don't see any integration KPIs. Really? I've got nothing on that. Why don't we see those? I think it goes to what we were talking about earlier, where you start getting down to four, five, six, down the the schedule integration. And where you actually end up is in the subcontractor's realm of where Mm -hmm. they're going. Now, one of my favorite questions to ask, if you really want to know what's going on in planning and scheduling. So I've created this beautiful scheduling specification for you, general contractor. I've worked years on creating the finest methodologies that I know that you need to implement on your project that I know you'll be successful at helping me out with my integrations. Now, Mr. General Contractor, Mr. General Contractor, can you show me the contract you're signing your subs up to on planning and scheduling? And they get your reaction that you're giving to me. Just awkward nope. silence. And I, I think that's a, a piece of of it is that's key to the integration is is that l- the lowest level, how are these systems going to get turned up, get turned on? How are they going to cut over? The other piece of it is I think our brains are fixed at endpoints and not used to the complexity of an integration. So I think it takes a little bit more thought to come up with what would an integration uh, KPI look like. Mm-hmm. And overall, 
a lot of owners and people are more just give me my building and I'll, I'll walk away when there are steps and processes. Yeah, I would honestly, to me, I would pay more money for a good process rather than a good outcome. And especially as an owner who's going to build anything more than once, because you can't control everything. You know, some stuff's going to be late, stuff's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. But if you're setting up the best process, you're setting up the best chance of you going out and winning, I would pay, I'd pay way more for that because then on the next project, that thing isn't going to happen and it's going to get better. And you can always refine the process. To me, that's where we're not seeing integration KPIs. And these are also mega projects. They don't happen very often. You know, you don't get to see. Yeah, I think that that's a, a key point because there's, um, in my in my years in this industry, I I have met people who are incredible owner schedulers, who by the way just told me these are the you know when multiple people in multiple different owners from multiple geographies tell you the purpose of a integration owner is to do those three things it starts to be a trend and they they schedule differently than a GC scheduler. And you and I know this, that it's actually quite hard to transition between GCs and clients if the client owner is like that, unless you're going for the direct opposite team. Yeah. But I think I think the thing that's, that's very interesting here is um, when... When does the simplicity in that integration flip over into, I don't need to focus so much about it? Like, are there different buckets? Because we've explored the highly complex element. We also know the highly simple element. Where's the middle? Are are there frameworks that people can follow to understand which bucket they fall in? You can just read it in the the PMP. You can go online right now. By the way, he's making a joke right now. (laughs) I'm I'm sure AACE has a white paper on this. They might do. Do you know Uh, what? I'm not laughing at. No, for anyone listening, I'm not laughing at anyone. I'm just laughing that not everything is in the documents you read. Yeah. Actually, I'm sure there's probably a really good one. It just is buried within everything else. There probably is. What are the frameworks to go figure out if your integration requires complexity, simplicity, or complexity? I feel like that's got to be fairly intuitive. I mean, you got to be able to just, to me, there's a couple different things you can look at. Uh, To me, my brain first goes to criticality of it delaying or blowing up the entire project. Mm -hmm. Permanent power. If you can't have permanent power, you can't start up your building. We go, Michael, we go temporary power. Okay, well, it's a little less critical until it becomes critical. you know. But if it's like water, can you start up the building on temporary water? No. Well, it's a big integration. It's going to cause a lot of downstream effect. Criticality is high. Integration needs to be a focus. There's dollars associated with it, scope that you can look at. Uh, there's sophistication of GC. How sophisticated is this contractor you're working with? Are they going to be able to manage this? I think there's a, a variety of things to look at to find where you need to fall. And, and I don't think it would take someone walking through their program, looking at it to develop some sort of kind of ranking system. And then you kind of can deploy things a little bit more uh, you know, operational. Okay, this falls, you know, we have a four bucket system. This falls in bucket three. 
not very critical, don't need to be tracked very well. We're going to do some milestones and some high level quantities and manage the float out of it. You know, if they really start to slip, then maybe we'll go to bucket one and start to dive in and look at it. I don't, I don't see that being too challenging for anyone to go in and kind of set up their bucketing system and walk through what are the different elements of their program and how are they going to execute. I'd like to suggest a bucketing system, and I'd like you to tell me if this is rubbish or not. So on one side, I'm going to take exactly what you said there, which is criticality. So criticality, I'm going to have three levels. One is absolute criticality, which is your water. You, you literally can't start the commissioning until you've got permanent water in. The second is um, temporal criticality. So we can start with temporary power, but we really need pure. So you've got a variance date. And the third is essentially not critical at all. It's, it's the lesser. So that's on one axis. On the other axis, I'd like to put in there GC incentives. Because I would hypothesize that dependent on how much impact it would have on the profit line of the GC would drive either defensive, offensive, or collaborative behaviors. So I would say if it's not linked to major payment milestones, that's almost, I don't want to say it's, it's kind of hands off. It's not I don't care. It might be hands off, which is bad if it's a little bit towards their profit or if it really, really drives their profit and has LDs against it, I would imagine dependent on that spec, that nine box spectrum will depend on how much you have to get involved if your objective is to facilitate on-time delivery. So that facilitating business case, not just I'm going to do handovers. What do you think? Those buckets make, those buckets make sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great framework to start with. Uh, and then I think you, like any process, you need to evolve as the project goes forward. Mm -hmm. I, well, I don't I do know. Like, I... I do like the incentive structure piece you brought up with the GC. I think that is it, that we talk a lot about it on this show, because I think as you start to break down planning and scheduling, you just get to human behavior. Yeah. And, it, you know, and that's like, if people listen to enough of our episodes, we end up talking about roughly the same things over and over and over again. But that's at the heart of all of this. And that incentive structure is a huge piece of that, that contracting incentive structure on what they are guided to go do and how they're going to do it. It's very important. Um, well, I'm, I'm glad it was okay because I made it up on the spot. And for anyone listening, I can't tell you what's below. I can't tell you, well, on box 3-3, three, three, this is the approach you take. I don't know. It just, yeah. I'm thinking out loud and that's the kind of framework I'd yeah. use to batch this up and then start thinking how yeah. much I'm going to integrate an owners. I went fishing on a boat with my grandpa. He had a bucket too, but that bucket was used for <laughs> when you had to do something and you could not get off the boat. <laughs> no, that's a separate bucket. That's when everything's gone to pot. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's when the project goes completely haywire. Yeah, the only thing, we're about a time, and the only thing that we, we didn't really talk about is the kind of system dynamics you need to think about when you start getting loads of schedules and then integrating them up into a single file or single database. Mm -hmm. we, I, I talked a little bit at the beginning, and I just want to hit it before we close. The most important part 
of you integrating a system in multiple schedules is maintaining standardization across your schedules, standard cadences across your schedules, and making sure that when you go do reporting, you don't report out on live data. That's one of the biggest mistakes I see people do. Oh, we got to have this live data. We need to go report on it live, 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 live. It is best when you're doing that sort of operation to have space so people can analyze the data. So you basically bring in the schedules and you can do a variety of different things here. If everyone's using the same milestones, you can create an owner schedule and link them. You can do almost all of this in Power BI and Tableau by basically doing a couple of relational databases. But when you bring it in and then you go report out on this data and these integrations and health metrics, you need to bring in the information on like a Monday. You need to have people at least several days so the data comes in, it's quality checked, it's good to go. A couple days for people to review the data, actually put some brains on it, and the data's frozen. So if they need to go back and be like, oh, this looks weird and kind of adjust, and then you report out it on like a Thursday or Friday and have that sort of cadence really nailed down. You know, create that calendar that shows this is the date we're going to freeze the data. This is the date we're going to report the data. Otherwise, you go pull the data on a Monday, it's going to be different than when you pulled it on a Wednesday. It never, ever works. And, and so you really need to dial in that sort of, I'm taking in all the schedule information, I'm taking in all this data and think through the structure of how it's going to work, what your pipelines are going to be, what your milestones are going to be, your WBS and your metrics. Otherwise, this thing, it'll be completely worthless. You will not be able to kind of look at the project in totality. And, and as a total program. I can I completely agree. And the, the reason why is because you've got to think about here, what's the action you're trying to do? I'm not trying to produce a report for the sake of a report. I'm trying to tell the CEO if he needs to call one of the CEOs of the GC and say, we need a conversation and we need to help each other. And that is about spe specificity and evidence not about speed. People, like, yeah. you, people might go, oh, yes, to get it faster is better, but I'd rather wait five days and get it right than wait two days and, and have CEOs talking about the wrong thing or project directors talking about the wrong thing. Yeah, and that could be five days. That could be a week. Yeah. I mean, think about 10 GCs running a standard risk analysis on all of those GCs. And then being yeah. able to aggregate that information up into something that is useful. People take months over that. Yeah. Take months when they're setting budgets. Yeah. Wonderful. Then I think you've already said the, the last thing there. We jumped into it. So we'll cut that one there. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Micah, for being in the hot seat this week. Always. And if you've got any questions, please just reach out to us and, and let us know. Uh, people have been sending us on LinkedIn and via email uh, topics they'd like us to discuss, and it's fantastic. If you feel like doing the same, do so. And if you feel like anyone would really value from listening to this podcast, please share it along. And with that, thank you for listening. Have a good day. Bye.